0: Welcome back, everybody. We roll till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Jim and Trent welcoming in. Ken Silverstein joining the program, Big Ten Conference Insider. Also, our go-to guy in Cleveland for the Browns and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Before we get to the game, which is going to get underway here in just a minute, um, let's get to the Browns, Ken. And with the draft selection of Mayfield, Ward, where were you on the Browns pick? And you're not that sports talk guy that said he would eat horse poop, were you?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, Jim, I, I wouldn't have made the move. Uh, we took a, we're talking about the number one pick, Baker Mayfield. Um, I I just don't know um, in regards to a six-foot quarterback. Um Well, when you look at Russell Wilson, he's a lot faster, more athletic than Mayfield. I'm not a big 12 guy, particularly. Uh, I don't think it translates uh, to the NFL. Now, maybe he's the exception, but until I see it with my own peepers, when it really matters, and I'm not talking about exhibition football, I'm talking, you know, deep into a regular season, Uh, I'm not convinced that he was the pick or should have been the pick. I think Sam Darnold. At a USC would have been the safer pick, uh, quite frankly. They didn't go in that direction. The Jets obviously did at number three. Now, at number four, look, I've seen Denzel Ward since high school. Um, he is one of the fastest football players collegiately in all of the country. He can run with anybody. Um, he's a very, very good press corner uh, from Ohio State. My problem with Denzel is that I'm taller than Denzel. I'm about 5'11 and a half. He's about 5'10 and a half. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about jump balls, but obviously they don't think it's as big a problem. I think it is when you got guys who are 6'3", six, 6'4", six, you throw it up high in the air and you play jump city. So uh, I think Ward was a little high. I think he should have been taken around 10 or 12, and I'm not the biggest Mayfield guy. So I'm not exactly personally enamored with uh, what they did in the first round.
2: Back to Mayfield for a moment with you, Ken, and a lot of the things that came out is not about what he is physically because there's plenty of knocks there. He, he's not going to wow you because of the size. He doesn't have an arm that's going to throw it through a brick wall, but it's those intangible things. It's a leader of men, and you know there are plenty of people out there. I've heard Drew Brees talk about that it's not about the physical. Physically, most of these guys are pretty close to the same, it is those intangible components. A, a guy that can everybody can get behind and change a culture of losing. How much do you buy into that kind of narrative that is out there right now with Baker Mayfield?
1: I don't buy it at all. I think it's a bunch of crap, to be honest, <laughs> honest with you. I think it's a bunch of spin, <laughs> uh, hogwash, whatever you want to call it. Look, you're playing with men. You're playing with millionaires. They don't care about your style, your profiling, and your shtick, whatever you want to call it. That's college stuff. Kids are stupid when they're 17, 18, 19 years old. College kids don't know. Pros know. Okay? That don't work unless you really succeed. That don't last more than a New York second. So I don't buy any of that. I've been around this way too long. I've been covering pro football since 19, what 1979 uh, in Dallas. So it goes back a long way. It don't work with men. It works with kids. It don't work with men. So I think his so-called leadership shtick, uh, will only work, only work if he wins a lot of games. Then they'll buy in. But if you don't win, they turn on you quick because they won't buy it. They'll think it's fraud. They'll think it's, they'll think it's crap, to be honest with you. And I would buy, and I'd be the same way. You can't con me after all these years of being, being around unless you produce. You produce. I'll start buying in. You produce a lot, then maybe you get me totally. But until you do, you don't have me at all. you got to prove it to me.
0: Uh, Ken, let me just offer this up then. The Browns did sign Tyrod Taylor. He's penciled mm-hmm. in to be the starter. Does that mean Mayfield would sit and learn the whole season as long as Taylor is healthy? Or do you think that eventually they would put Mayfield in by game eight or nine to see what they've got?
1: Great question. Um, Number one, they have said verbally, Hugh Jackson, the coach, who when when his lips are moving, he's usually fibbing, if you know what I'm saying. So I'm not sure I'm buying what he's saying. But what he has said for public consumption is that Tyrod Taylor is going to be the guy for the entire year. I don't know about that, and that's what you're hinting at strongly. I think if they get off to another terrible start, the fans are going to be clamoring. The sports talk shows are going to be clamoring, et cetera, et cetera. The colonists will be clamoring for, well, we've seen what he can do. Let's let the kid play. So having been around this a long time, as I just said in my last response, I'm leaning towards what Jim is saying. I think we will see Mayfield this year as a starting quarterback. I just don't know what game, but, you know, it could be the week after the bye. It could be week 12, 13, 14 when the season is over and they've got nothing to play for. So I would say if you believe a head coach when he talks, he won't play. I don't really don't buy what Hugh Jackson ever says. And so I think there's a pretty good chance, better than 50-50, that he will, meaning Mayfield, will start at least one game. But I think early in the season, September, October, unless he's hurt, I think it'll be Tyrod Taylor.
2: Can uh, to the first round into the second? They had first uh, two of the first three picks. They go out. They get a guard. All right, who cares? It's a guard. You need offensive line help. That's fine, but. I want to get your thoughts on Nick Chubb. He was obviously part of that two-headed attack at Georgia with Sony Michelle. Chubb, a guy that a lot of people really liked early in his career, had an injury that, that maybe derailed things from being a first-round pick. But Chubb, a guy that you're excited about or a reach for a guy in a day and age where running backs are becoming more dime-a-dozen?
1: I like the pick. I mean, obviously the injury was serious, but he was able to prove it. At the highest level, got to the national championship game against Alabama. I think Stoney Michelle's a better player, but um, I don't. I don't have a problem with the pick. I think he'll he'll play a bunch. Uh, Carlos Hyde, the former Buckeye, will be the starter, but they'll use three backs. Uh, Duke Johnson, the former University of Miami product, will be their third running back, sort of their third down guy, and they'll split. Maybe early on in the year, Hyde will be the lead guy, but. I think as we get into November and December, I think it'll be fifty-fifty uh, between um, Carlos Hyde and um, Nick Chubb. I th- yeah, I think I like the Chubb pick. I don't think it's—I'm not going crazy about it, but I do like the pick. I think where they took him—first pick, second round—I didn't have a problem with that pick.
0: Uh, Ken, then give me your uh, crystal ball uh, evaluation. Since they didn't win any games last season one win would make it better than the previous season. But is this team five wins, six, or are they three? They had a difficult
1: schedule, which is pretty unbelievable when you're all in 16, that you would have a difficult schedule. But it's the fifth hardest coming off of last year. The problem with that, even though I just verbalized it, is that you're basing it on last year. You don't know because these teams fluctuate unless you're the New England Patriots for the most part. It's really difficult to tell and project one year to another, but it's the only thing you have to rule on, the only thing you have to judge with, and so they have the fifth most difficult. I think if they win anywhere around five, I think it'll be a really good year. It's still double-digit uh, losses, and that obviously is not uh, um, you know a good thing, but uh, around here, um, I think they'll take five. I think six people will be going nuts, but i'll I'll go with five and eleven, and I think that's not a bad all things considered um, um you know two thousand and eighteen
2: and that's where the Vegas number is it is right around that mark and improvement still at five and eleven Hugh isn't keeping his job, is he,
1: hey, that's a great question likewise um I think he might I'm not the biggest Hugh guy I think he's full of you you know what um He's got this owner and his wife convinced. And a lot of people I know in this organization, people I've known in this organization who are no longer in this organization, just roll their eyes, just cannot believe that this guy has somehow schmoozed these two people, just hoodwinked them. Maybe another way of saying it. Um, yeah, I think if he goes 5 and 11, I think he'll buy himself another year or so. Yeah, I do. Wow. Um, because he'll play the card. The one thing Hugh Jackson's really good at is, uh, how do I want to put this? (laughs) Uh, Let's keep it G-rated here, Ken. Uh, Let's just put it this way. He verbally can con you. How about that? And uh, that's a nice way of saying it. And uh, he's convinced this owner, Jimmy Haslam, and his wife Dee, that he knows what he's doing when many of us, uh, including people around the league, just shake their head and go, how in the hell is this guy NFL head coach.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go then to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and otherwise known as the Fighting LeBrons. Uh, they've got a little help finally off the bench. Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, uh, Corver now in the starting lineup. But what is going on with Kevin Love? Ken, he's just can't seem to get his shot to go down. Is he still having problems after that injured hand?
1: Yeah, I think he is, even though they will not talk about it. And he, uh, I mean, I asked him the other day in a, in a group session after game seven, and he looked me right in the eye and just shook his head, meaning, "Can I ain't going there. Uh, so you can only ask the question. You can follow up with another way of saying it, and we all do that in this profession. But the look I got, others picked up on it and basically went, okay, maybe he's not going to answer that. So I think he still is hurt. Uh, it's not stopping him from, quote, playing. But you just don't know. He's your second-best player. He's a five-time All-Star. And he has throwing up a bunch of clunkers uh, that are chipping paint at this point. So I have no idea what to expect. Um, my guess is he will have another, another bad game because these games are coming now every other day. And I don't think the injury... He's going to um, get better playing every other day. So they need they need, and I'm not sure that's going to happen tonight in Game Two. I think this thing's going to be one and one heading to Cleveland Sunday night, 7:30 uh, Central Standard. Um, I, I they're going to need Corver, Thompson, J.R. Smith, Clarkson, and a partridge in a pear tree to somehow play out of their collective minds. For the most part, they did in game one. The problem is you're asking role players to step in up game after game after game. You are who you are, and I I just don't know if that's going to happen. It would not surprise me here in game two, even though he had a triple-double. I think you'll see LeBron get around 35, okay? But I don't know if that's going to be enough because I'm not counting on the role players to play as well and as efficiently as they did uh, the other uh, uh, the other night, and I let me uh, circle back. That game three is Saturday night, not Sunday night. Game three is Saturday night, seven thirty Central Time.
2: You know, it's it's mission accomplished already with the victory, and this one's just underway. Let's say Toronto gets off to a big start, and we get into the third quarter, and they're up, you know, fifteen eighteen points. Now comebacks happen in the NBA, but. With the game already uh, in hand, could you see the Tyron Luce say, hey, let's shut it down. LeBron, we got to get as much rest as we can and say, we'll see you on Saturday night. Let's just let this one lie, if if Toronto would get out to that kind of lead, Could you see that? Yeah,
1: yeah I could see that, particularly if it's early fourth quarter. If they're down by 15-18 and there's 10 minutes to go, um, I think he might throw in the white flag or the white towel, I should say, and say, okay, we'll see you in... Northeast Ohio on, on Saturday night. Um, he played all 82. Again, I have no idea why he played all 82. Um, he's answered it. But the answer has never made any sense to me, quite frankly, and maybe some other people maybe it made sense to. Um, but yeah, I think under that scenario, they're down 15, 18 points, and there's nine, 10 minutes to go, and it looks pretty hopeless tonight. They'll be happy. They'll get the split. And then all of a sudden, Game 3 becomes, uh, obviously, very important in a uh, potential uh, seven-game series.
0: Ken Silverstein is our guest on the Big Talker 1700. Okay, uh, look, you follow the NBA as closely as anyone – do the Philadelphia 76ers and Boston Celtics make this a very close game tonight, or does Boston find a way again to win on their home court?
1: You know what? It, it's amazing what they're doing. The young kids are stepping up. Uh, Horford looks like he's still on a scholarship at the University of Florida. He's playing lights <laughs> out. They've done a nice job. Brad Stevens. If, if Brad Stevens is not a top-five coach in the NBA – Let me rephrase that. He's a top three coach because he's playing without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Haywood. Haywood's been out since the first minute of the first game of 82. He got hurt against Cleveland back in October. That's how long ago he's been out, and hopefully the recovery is uh, going well for him. Kyrie Irving has not played in, what, now a good amount of time and is not going to play no matter how far they go. And they're doing it with a couple of kids. Terry Rozier, who I saw play high school ball, okay, here in the Cleveland, Ohio area, he's from a uh, suburban community, is playing out of his mind, okay? I, am, I have no idea where this is coming from. I know he went to Louisville. I know he had a pretty good career in Louisville. But come on. I mean, Terry Rogier is like scoring 29 points the last game. Give me a break. He's a nice player, but he's not what we've seen here, or you know, in this postseason. But he's doing it, and you got to give him credit for it. So, um I think Philadelphia will eventually win it, but it doesn't make a difference because whoever wins the West, um, I give whomever, whether it's Cleveland in no particular order, whether it's Toronto, whether it's Philadelphia, or Boston, again, in no particular order. um, If it's Golden State, they'll be lucky to win one. If it's Houston, and that would assume that Houston would upset Golden State, if it would be Houston, Maybe I give somebody the East two games, maybe. I'm being kind, but no, nah, none of these teams in the East. Now, if you start mixing and matching teams, yeah, that's a different story. But since that can't be done uh, in real life. No, uh, this this thing is predetermined. The winner of the West will win the NBA, and if it's Golden State, they're going to win another title.
2: Feels that way, and it uh, kind of makes it a little bit disappointing. Hey, before we get out of here... It's May. Let's talk a little baseball. The Indians are in first place in the American League Central. My Twins have not given them much of a push to this point. But, uh, you know, the, the Indians are not hitting the ball real well right now. How concerning is it? The, the division isn't very good. Is it basically, hey, let's, let's get to October and see where we are then?
1: Yeah, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised. They need another bullpen guy and probably could use another bat. They're not going to be able to get both, I on. I don't think with the monetary issues that they have and the market size. So they're going to have to make a decision before the trading deadline. What are they willing to give up? What priority do they put? Bullpen, right handed hitter, right handed hitter, bullpen. Look, it's the worst division in all of baseball. It's not even close. It's not even close. They're going to win this division and pretty much coast. They have the best rotation in the division by far. It's not even close. Uh, so. They have the best earned run average, what, in all the I So that number uh, the other day, I think it's like 2.63. Um, and even though their fourth fifth starters can be a little iffy, you, in a seven-game series, you really don't need a fourth or fifth starter other than as a long guy. So they're going to go with Kluber, who's pitching like a Cy Young guy again. Uh, their number two is Carrasco, probably going to be an all-star again this year. And their number three is the guy who's getting a lot of pub with his running verbal feud with the – Houston Astros pitching staff, and that would be Trevor Bauer. What did Bauer win last year? 17, 18, I think he won 17 off the top of my head. The bottom line is he's a really good young third starter. So the division is so winnable compared to the East and the West in the American League that, um, no, they're not real worried. Now, can they beat Houston? Can they beat Boston? Can they beat the Yankees? I, I They can play with the Boston and the Yankees, I think. I'm not sure they can play with Houston. The problem with Houston is, one, they're not a win. Two, they have the best starting rotation in all the American League, especially now adding uh, Garrett Cole. Thank you, Pittsburgh. Pirates. <laughs> and three, they're going to have home field because they're going to eventually have uh, the best record in the American League. So when it's all said and done, uh, like Golden State, until you see they're beaten it's really hard to pick against them. So, uh, yeah, Uh, I the Indians obviously are going to be postseason-bound, but I don't see them getting uh, to the World Series, not at this point.
0: All right, we'll let you run on this one. Uh, Big Ten question, college basketball. Indiana gets uh, Romeo Lankford to uh, Hmm. make sure that he put his name on the dotted line. Then they collect a uh, grad transfer as well. Are the Hoosiers going to be one of the better teams then in the Big Ten because of this, or do you have somebody else penciled in, like your love affair with some Izzo guy? (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, I guess I'm still smitten with uh, T.I., better known as Mr. Izzo. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, he's a big-time recruit. And not only is it good for IU, it's good for the conference, okay, because he's a He's a five-star kid, and this conference uh, needs to land those kind of kids, not only at IU but elsewhere. Um, Obviously, Michigan State gets that kind of talent, but we need to see other programs uh, like that. Ohio State's getting one in 19. They're getting a five-star out of Cleveland with the last name of uh, Gaffney. We'll see how that translates in 19, but he's one of the best players allegedly in the country. So what's encouraging a little bit, is that you're starting to see some of the wealth being spread elsewhere. Uh, Now, does it mean that you automatically win because you get five-star guys? No, but the odds are in your favor, but that's going to help a whole bunch because normally it does translate. So I think for Coach Miller and IU, it's really good. They'll become, um, I don't know if I want to call them a blue blood again, but they're taking a step in the right direction to get IU back to where that fan base and alumni think It should be. It's not a football school. It never will be a football school. They think of themselves as a basketball school. They haven't been lately. This kid coming in is a step in the right direction. They need more, but it's a very good step in the right direction because he could have gone elsewhere. Kansas was in the hunt and others.
2: He ended up staying basically at home and, you know, I hope it works out for him. Ken, enjoy the game. Good catching up with you, as always. We'll talk to you next Thursday. We'll look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Ken Silverstein checking in with us as we talk the world of sports with you. Cleveland underway in their matchup in game number two with Toronto right now. A 5 o'clock start, Jimmy B, 6 o'clock Central time. That's still plenty of time for those Canadians to get lubed up, though, right? (laughs)
0: listen they 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 probably started at 10 o'clock in the morning knowing (laughs) knowing the knowing the canadians so no they're they're excited look this is going to be fun uh it was a highly entertaining game in game one and i expect game two to be
2: just like that We'll take a break coming back on the other side we're gonna talk a little baseball mark Normann is gonna stop by from SB nation as we take you up until six o'clock Jimmy B and TC
0: and welcome back everybody we roll till six o'clock tonight right here on the big talker Jimmy B and TC 1700 Mark Normandan is our guest we always get into some major League baseball conversation with him it's it's always good when that is taking place uh mark how are how is SB Nation and Major League Baseball treating you?
3: Well, today's a little busier than I thought, thanks to Ichiro. But you know, otherwise things are okay.
0: <laughs> okay, let's start then with that Ichiro story. Uh, they're not really calling it a retirement; they're just saying that he's going to be an assistant to the uh, to the boss. Uh, how does this break down for you, one of the greatest players that we have seen in recent history?
3: I mean, I've ne- I never really want Ichiro to go away, but also, you know, the Ichiro that was so fun to watch has been gone for a, for a bit now. So you still kind of got fits and, fits and starts with it, but, you know, that, ich- that Ichiro, those days are behind him. And uh, it's a shame he couldn't go out in, like, a way like David Ortiz did where he's still on top of his game and just made the decision to go. But, you know, better this than dragging his career along forever, like, I don't know, Pete Rose did.
2: Yeah, and you know, some people say that he hung on a, a little bit too long, maybe tainting what he did throughout his career, uh, beginning there in Seattle, and of course before it in Japan. I, I certainly don't see it that way. Do you? Do you think that this is something that he did hold on too long, and and it's going to leave a sour play, uh, taste in a lot of people's mouths?
3: No, I feel like he really kind of struggled at the back end there for a bit, and then he found a decent role uh, with the Marlins as. You know, their fourth outfielder was pinch running and pinch hitting and, uh, you know, playing pretty sparingly and finding spots for him to hit. You know, that, that seemed fine. And this year was just a return to the Mariners, which pretty much signaled that even Ichiro, who has talked about never wanting to retire, was thinking about retiring
0: right exactly where would you put him uh i'm not saying on the entire greats of all of baseball but where would you kind of put him if you were going to wrap up some recent history where would ichiro kind of stand with you
3: i mean i think he's one of the best players of his entire generation uh you know the hits are such an obvious thing because he has more of them than anyone um but the defense was spectacular. His arm was just ridiculous. He was great on the base base pass. You know, he was such a complete player. and Just kind of like a force of nature the second he landed uh, in, with Seattle in 2001. And it's it's a shame those teams weren't better for mm-hmm. most of his run there because I think people would appreciate Itro even more, which is kind of ridiculous because everyone loves Itro.
2: All-timer and uh, certainly going to be on his way to the Hall of Fame whenever he officially decides to hang it up, and we'll see about that. Seattle begins, uh, I believe, next season in Japan. Talk of him maybe wanting to play uh, early next season and and be a part of that, regardless when it ends up going to be an all-timer and one of the best players to watch in baseball. Well, one of the best rivalries in baseball, obviously, is Yankees-Red Sox, uh, a rivalry you know all too well. And it was announced today that they're taking the show on the road across the pond And playing that thing in London, that was a surprise to me. Your initial thoughts as the news comes out today?
3: Feels like there's been rumors about them playing overseas uh, in London and Cuba and all kinds of places for years now, and nothing has ever come of any of it. So I guess the big surprise for me was like, oh, hey, they finally did it, (laughs) you know? Uh, And I guess it's still rumored, so who knows? Maybe they'll pull the rug out from under us in a week, but... uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, I like, you know, the NFL keeps being like, "Hey, we're really going to make the United Kingdom like the NFL," and they just play there all the time. Uh, I really like MLB's plan of like, "Hey, we're going to play in Japan, we're going to play in Mexico, we're going to play in Puerto Rico, we're going to play in the we're going to play in London," and just kind of going everywhere and trying to trying to influence all over the world uh, with baseball. And um, Red Sox Yankees is is pretty good in terms of getting some teams that uh, can actually show people what you know, like the good parts of baseball.
2: Yeah, th- it's not like they're they're sending over uh, Mariners Blue Jay series. This is this one holds certainly a lot more sway in that one. And you know, we saw obviously basketball. What happened with the Dream Team and and the building of the sport internationally. American football has tried to do the same thing. The London series games have proved to be very profitable over there, and more and more fans across upon getting into the NFL. As it pertains to Europe, we know the Japanese in the in the market over in the Far East has has been very good. The Caribbean down there, but. As it pertains to growing the sport in Europe, is this an initiative that you see something that is going to work? Might be well down the road, but we're going to see more big leaguers down. You know, we got Max Kepler with the Twins, a German. We'll see more of this start to trickle through. I, I know it's way down the line, but do you believe this is the start of a building process across in Europe?
3: I think the start came a while ago, um, and you see, you know, with the World Baseball Classic, and there's a ton of world, European teams that are either trying to get into the main tournament, so they're playing in the preliminary qualifiers, or they're actually in the tournament. Um, And, you know, the the level of talent definitely varies, but there are are MLB scouts for every team over in Europe, so they think the players exist already over there and that there'll Mm -hmm. just be more and more of them
0: interesting okay uh take me then to the regional teams that we pay a lot of attention to and let's start first in chicago with the cubs uh once again, you Darvish got his brains beat out. Uh, this time by Colorado. Is there an issue there? I'm, look, I know it's early; it's just the first week of May. But are you fearing that they paid this guy an awful lot of money and they're not getting anything close to what they thought they were going to get?
3: Well, maybe they should call the Astros and figure out what the uh, what pitches, <laughs> how he was tipping his pitches, and... <laughs> right get some advice there because apparently they're the only ones who have been able to figure out exactly what it is that's going on uh yeah i don't know it's weird uh it's early you know it's like sunny gray in new york probably isn't a garbage fire either but you know you get you get a month and you get a rough start and something's obviously off with starvish and it's going to take some time to to fix it but uh, you know it's too early uh to say someone's Not going to earn their money or anything like that. Uh, it becomes better hope that this is a discussion that goes away because they did spend a lot of money on him and, you know, they let Jake Arietta go away and he's, he seems to be doing pretty well in Philly.
2: Yeah, the, if uh, if you had the option of the two, Mark, it, it feels like the guy that was there before, uh, Jake Arietta would be the one that you'd be looking for. Cubs, uh, bats also haven't quite come alive, but as you look at that division, Brewers, Cardinals, you got the Pirates that are off to the surprising start. If you had to pick one of those three, who, who do you think is going to give them the biggest tussle for the division title?
3: I would say the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers were real good last year. And then had some injuries that kind of kept them from going all the way uh, with their with that push. And, you know, they do have some injuries already early, but they're playing well again. And they had those big ads over the off season. You know, the Cardinals are always obviously a, a threat uh, to come to play better than you expect them to. But I'm, I'm not, I'm thinking of the Pirates are kind of in like the Reds' role from last year. Remember when the Reds got out to a hot mm-hmm. start and then, you know, didn't keep going <laughs> like, you know the, the bad teams will be bad eventually but even bad teams have good stretches
2: talk to right now with mark norman as we take a look around major league baseball uh twins finally get a victory yesterday as they knock off toronto to uh salvage a game out of that now they get going with the white Sox. you'd assume uh, a chance to get right there is the saving grace a slow start that the Indians are off to and, and at least hanging around right now? The Twins made a lot of moves here in the off season, but Lance Lynn has been outright terrible. Odorizzi has been okay, but uh, you, you look up and down what they've done to this point. Injuries crop up, Sano, Buxton, on and on and on. It's early, I get it, but are we looking at maybe a, a lost season for the Minnesota Twins?
3: Uh, that division is garbage so they're (laughs) they're, i mean if they're gonna they're gonna struggle out of the gate and still have a real good chance later on they pick the right division for it to happen and uh cleveland as you mentioned hasn't got off to exactly uh a roaring start and you know guys like lance lynn i don't know maybe if the twins had signed him you know months before and he got a full spring training experience and all that then things would be a little different with him so you know maybe a Maybe by late May or mid-May even, he'll he'll come around and look more like Lance Lynn because that guy's a pretty good pitcher, and it's not like Target Field's a huge hitter's park or anything, and the Twins haven't been facing monster lineups necessarily, uh, especially not in that division.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lynn, the bad BIP is... It's in a bad spot right now, but... You'd certainly anticipate those numbers are going to start to turn around, and, and there's nothing, it doesn't look outlying that that's going to make this uh, something that continues throughout the year. Maybe hope that uh, they can hang around and make a run at the Indians. All right, let's go out to, back to your neck of the woods, but to the National League side of things with the National League East. I got a couple of things I want to run by you. First, uh, Matt Harvey, not a thing of beauty out of the bull. A relief appears gives up five runs. The Matt Harvey and the bullpen experience uh, experiments not going maybe as well as some people hoped.
3: Oh, it's going well in the sense that it's a lot fewer innings than it would be as a starter. <laughs> it's
2: true. It's true. Oh boy. Well, he's, he's still got his party ways. That's a good thing, right?
3: Yeah, man. He the Mets need to be away from him, and he needs to be away from the Mets. I don't really know who's going to come out like uh, better uh, when that relationship ends, but yeah, Harvey just doesn't. Lo- I mean, he doesn't. His, his pitches don't have the same zip that, that they did even last year. You know, this is this has all been kind of building towards this, where there's just nothing left. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe someone will, will be able to pick him up and remake him in a year and a in two years whenever he's whenever he's free. But he sure doesn't feel like the Mets are going to be the ones to salvage anything out of him. And, you know, I don't don't necessarily know if the Mets deserve to salvage anything out of him either.
2: Yeah, and and the Mets have uh, certainly taken a step back after that hot start. They're looking up at the top of the division at the Atlanta Braves, and it was uh, a long wait for people that had Ronald Azuna Jr. on their fantasy roster, like myself, but, oh boy, the early returns have me pretty giddy about the rest of the year. This Atlanta team, and, and Azuna in particular, how big of a believer are you in the Bravos?
3: Well, I mean it's a good thing he spent all that extra time in the minors so that he'd be good and good enough for the majors. Um, imagine what the Braves would be looking like if they had just started him out on opening day. And instead of trying to tell us that he'd figure everything out, you know, with three extra weeks or whatever. Uh, yeah, the Braves are looking good. Uh, them and the Phillies, you know, they, they're both in that kind of position from the start of the year where it was like if the kids do well and the veterans that we have do well. We're way ahead of schedule, and both of them look like that. The Braves are succeeding even more uh, in that regard right now, and you know the Nats aren't super far behind or anything. They're still clearly the best team in that division, but they're uh, they're not going to be just kind of going for first place by themselves, maybe the, the way they did last year.
0: Mark Norman is our guest. We're talking Major League Baseball on the Big Talker 1700. Mark, how would you, I know that they had a lot of rainouts and, and snow and everything else early, but how would you rate the first month or so of Major League Baseball? Highly entertaining, okay, or not so good? Where would you, where would you go in that direction?
3: I think it's been good so far. I mean, the 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 rainouts really have hurt in terms of consistency, especially for a few teams that have seemingly had like rainouts and delays constantly. Uh, and you know, it's going to make for a real grind later on in the season for them. Uh, but yeah, it's been good. I don't think we've had any like super signature moments we're going to remember forever necessarily. But there's been some pretty good rookies already so far, and you know, Otani's been awesome. Uh, Mike Trout is somehow playing even better than you'd expect. Guys like Mookie Betts look more like, you know, the the potential MVP candidate of a couple of years ago than the down season last year. You know, things are exciting. Uh, so it's a good it's a good start to a story from the looks of it.
2: Going to be a fun one, no doubt. Hey, always love catching up with you, Mark. Appreciate it. We'll let you get back to Sesame Street with the little one and have day baseball <laughs> continues on as well. Thanks, as always, for your time, Mark. Anytime. That's Mark Normandin. follow on Twitter at Mark underscore Normandin, talking baseball with us and uh, Jimmy B uh, a fun start to the season a lot of day baseball this afternoon and yeah you know as I was talking with Mark about the twins as we were hitting our our Midwest teams here the good news is for the twins the Indians just frankly haven't been very good as good Mm -hmm. and stacked up as that team is you look at the lineup and you look at those numbers they have not been good offensively at this point it's. Maybe good news, bad news, you'd anticipate with the skill level that they have in that offense, it's going to improve. But the Twins look at things and they're, what, four and a half games out right now. So as bad as it's been for them, look, I don't think they're going to win a wild card this year because not only are you going to have the first wild card, whoever doesn't win the East between the Yankees and Red Sox, one of those teams will win 95. I think to get the second wild card, you might have to win 90 games this year, and I don't think the Mm -hmm. Twins can do that, but if it's a year to win the Central where it's... 85, 86, you at least have hope in that avenue, as bad as it's been.
0: I read you on that. I really do. Remember last year, though, didn't Cleveland do this just like they're doing it right now last season? Didn't they come out of the blocks uh, off and on, and they'd win three in a row, lose four, Uh, they were kind of like the Cubs. I remember you and I talking about how they were sort of mirroring each other because I think people expected them to put teams away and be comfortably in front by the All-Star break, and it wasn't the case for either team. So this kind of reminds me a little bit of last season where Cleveland once again... Even gifted with all the talent that they have, is going through that roller coaster ride after one full month that we have played.
2: Jimmy B, I give you even odds on everybody in the National League East. We can obviously cross off uh, Miami, the Marlins, though they played better. They're not winning that division. Even odds, Atlanta, New York, Philly, or the Nationals. Who do you got?
0: Uh, I I took the Nationals to uh, win that division at the beginning of the year, so I'm not going to hedge my bet. And we've only been playing for one month, so I'm going to stay with Washington. And I love I love what the Phillies are, are doing. Mm-hmm. I really do. And the Mets are competitive. There's no question about that. And Atlanta. Uh, you know, a lot of those young kids and then they got Freddie Freeman as well, uh, are just playing sensational and they just blew out the Mets today, 11 to nothing. So I'm But I, I can't get away yet from the Washington Nationals. I still think that they will be the team that will eventually break away and end up winning this division.
2: Yeah, Asuna's been an absolute star since he's come up just a little over a week ago. That kid's been unbelievable, but I'm with you. It's still the Nationals. They'll figure it out. They'll get the ship righted. And I think that's where the smart money is. We're coming back here, putting a cap on things on the other side. We'll take you up until 6 o'clock. We got already basketball underway, a lot of day baseball, a busy Wild Thursday here. Take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. Back one final time. Putting a cap on things already. NBA underway. A lot of day baseball today. Jimmy B, a couple of hockey games tonight. What's grab? I I know you're going to be watching the NBA this evening. Is there anything else that's uh, grabbing you?
0: Well, I am going to watch the NHL playoffs. Uh, I'm involved after Washington uh, won at Pittsburgh on that unbelievable Alex Ovechkin goal in OT. I I want to see uh, this game tonight. It's 2-1 right now in favor of Washington. This is game four. As you know, Trent, and we've kind of laughed about it, Washington never beats the Penguins. They never do. They never do. They're always eliminated in this round by Pittsburgh. So this will be interesting to see if they can handle prosperity. With a 2-1 lead, can they capitalize tonight and get a 3-1 advantage with a victory? Or do we see the Penguins do what the Penguins normally do to the Washington Capitals, and that is come back, win, and then close them out?
2: Yeah, uh, hockey tonight, Ken, I know, uh, talking to him earlier today, he's on the edge of his seat, a t- chance for his team to take a 3-1 to lead yes, against Nashville, I'll be watching that with the, the Jets this evening, uh, yeah, pretty good hockey this evening, I think yeah. I'll get into it, you know what I'm hoping for with my gambling prowess, I want Washington <laughs> to win tonight, I want the Caps yeah. to win this one. And then I'm going to bet on Pittsburgh to win the series, win the final three games, ah. come back, because I think I can get a really nice price. It's all about price shopping, Brinson, and that's what I'm going to be doing. You know about that. You're a cheap guy. And Speaking of that, so Jimmy yeah, B, y- your what? cheapness knows no bounds. You're cheap. I mean, you can admit it, right? Uh, maybe. Yeah. You, know, you Admit it. You're cheap, and that's okay, because I'm cheap as well, but... So when I text Jimmy B, I don't know why this annoys me, but it just does. When I text you something and you respond back with one letter, K, okay. the shortened version of OK. Yes, K. Okay. Yes, you, you're so cheap. You do you have to pay per letter of your text messages? <laughs> No, no, I don't pay
0: per letter. Okay. But what happens is, is that you know the antiquated phone that I have. Right. It is much easier for me when I'm doing a text to use one letter. So that's what I do. Now, there are other times, and you've seen me when I've been on the iPad. That I will uh, go out and and, uh, and and I'm not afraid then to to uh, type in uh, something that's meaningful. But if you're just sending me saying, "Hey, we're going to uh, uh, talk to somebody at such and such an hour," and I agree with it, I'll just type you K. K. I'm good.
2: K. I'm good. I didn't realize it annoyed you that much. You should have said something sooner. Well, I got to wait till we're on the air, and then I I do things like that. (laughs) I like to put you on the spot. Hey, we got to get out of here, Kay.
0: Yeah, let's go. Uh, Jimmy B and TC, everybody, we'll be back bright and early again tomorrow, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the Big Talker 1700.